Welcome to the LJA Podcast, featuring news, knowledge, and insight from principals, leaders, and subject matter experts in every area of the company. LJA is an employee-owned, award-winning civil design firm offering over 300 services with 43 offices in Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida. We build civilization. Listen to the LJA podcast to learn why. Folks, and welcome to another episode of the LJA podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn. And man, I am just motoring through these episodes sitting here in the Houston office downtown. Well, not downtown, but well, you know where I am in the main headquarters and just excited to be talking with everybody. I just had a wonderful conversation with James Ross, the president, and now I'm sitting down with Chris Mundy. Chris is vice president in the transportation department. And Chris, I really appreciate you taking time to to sit down with us today and have a conversation. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Thanks for having me, Randy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we do this every time and this is not going to be any different, but I certainly would love for you to kind of share with the LJA audience a little bit about your superhero origin story. You can go back to five or you can go back to 15 or you can go back to college. It's up to you. Okay. But I would love for you just to kind of tell us a little bit more about you because you shared something with me that I did not know. And I thought that was really interesting. So I'll give you the floor. Yeah, well, I I think my story is probably a little bit different than most here. I actually grew up in Maine. So it's, you know, way up on the north. Some people wonder if it's a foreign country, but (laughs) it is actually uh, part of the U.S. But I grew up there and I I actually went to college at the University of Maine. And it was a great place to grow up, but I always kind of knew I was looking to to go somewhere else. We did a lot of traveling as a kid and, and we just drove everywhere. And so, I started to kind of get a feel for just following roadways and following, you know, just different infrastructure throughout the country and just drew a real interest to it. And so I went to school for civil engineering, kind of drawing on that background. And ultimately, you know, I was, I was looking for a place to go. I had spent some time in Boston. It was a little too dense for me, just kind of looking for somewhere that was maybe a little bit better fit and had a sister that was here in Houston. So I decided, hey, let's give Houston a shot. Kind of just woke up and felt like that was where I wanted to go. So really started looking at, at companies in Houston and came across LJA and a few others. And so I set up an interview. I was able to, got the opportunity to interview with LJA. And this was back in about 2003, 2004 timeframe. I graduated in 04 and came down and, and just, there was something about LJA. It was definitely my number one place to come to, but it was something about just, you just felt like a company that was going to grow. It's kind of funny looking back on it, never really expected it to grow the way it has, but definitely something that, you know, it just felt right. So I was really happy when I did get the offer letter, went ahead and signed it and and the rest was history. I came on down and and got to practice in transportation, which was where I was starting to kind of lean towards and and, uh, I've loved it and it's been great. So So you're saying the leadership of LJA has your sister to thank for the fact (laughs) that you're here. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's funny how that works. Yeah. I love that. So so tell me a little bit. I mean, obviously you looked at other firms before you came here. What in your mind, if you can remember back to, you know, that 17 plus years ago, what really, really stood out for you about LJA that said, you know what, I think I am going to sign this offer sheet if I get one? It was, I think the culture kind of, you know, it kind of was shining through a little bit. I mean, it, you could tell it was kind of a, a laid back atmosphere, especially back then. And it was, but at the same time, you could tell people were working hard. They had a lot of transportation at the time was small. It was up and coming. Didn't know by how much, but it was something they, they 
had a mission to grow and and really grow that group. And so it was kind of not quite established. And to me, that was something that I wanted to be a part of. I just really wanted to kind of be a part of that growth and be able to see it through the years. Yeah. Um, some of the other companies I worked with or, or not worked with, but interviewed with, they were just not really, they were already kind of established and they were trying to pull work from other offices. So it wasn't always just centralized there. And LJ, it was a little bit different. So I think for me, it was just being able to to come here and be a part of something that felt like it was going to expand and grow. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, like I always tell people, you know, back in the day when I recruited in the 90s here in Texas, you know, I learned that there are DOTs and then there's TxDOT. Mm-hmm. And it's like a whole different ball game. And I, actually, I would put FDOT up there, Florida Department of Transportation up there, kind of with TxDOT. But TxDOT, I mean, these guys, it just seems like there's always something new and big happening with TxDOT in it for the years. I mean, we're, we're talking more than two decades now since, and that predates when you joined LJA, but there was always something happening in Texas when it came to transportation. Yeah, I look back and I was, I was thinking if I stayed in Maine, I remember when I was going to college, I mean, they were working on Interstate 95 for like a few years, but that's the only interstate that goes through Maine. So for me, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity to do that. Texas, it's crazy. It's incredible how much infrastructure there is, the the amount of money that the state spends on expanding that infrastructure. You know, I would put, yeah, like you said, Florida right up there, but it we get some folks, we hire some folks from out of state and they're just amazed at, you know, some of the projects we work on. I mean, they can be really small, rural widening jobs up to major, you know, billion dollar freeway reconstructions, which we're kind of looking at right now. So it's, it's pretty incredible just, you know, when you look at how big the state is and just all the infrastructure that's there, just the different opportunities there are to work on just so many different fascinating projects. And there's still room for growth. As I think about West Texas and other parts of, of the state where, you know, yeah, you have roads that get you there, but maybe there's some other, you know, more efficient ways to get there from a transportation perspective. Sure. And West Texas, I mean, we do quite a bit of work there as well, up up in the Midland, Odessa area, even into El Paso, but there's a lot of these energy corridors that you don't really think much about, but they have a lot of issues too, because they've got so much truck traffic, really heavy truck traffic, and it kind of ebbs and flows with the oil and gas, but their roads just get torn up. And so they're always looking for for new ways to to try to improve their infrastructure. But the other thing that they run into is that, you know, these camps will pop up overnight, you know, just, just because of the oil and gas boom and um, then it'll dry up real quick. So they're always looking, they have just, you know, traffic capacity issues and things that you maybe wouldn't expect out there. But just with all that, you know, how fracking has kind of developed over the years, mm-hmm. things like that, that's um, really started to drive those areas. Yeah. You know, and well, we're going to continue to talk about that, but I do want to go back and ask you one thing because it's just it's just kind of sticking in my head now. When you kind of came, you talked about when you came and you joined, and you, you're like, "Oh, this is kind of a special place." I'm going to you know see what's happening here. Where was the? At what moment did you realize? Oh my God, I made a really good decision to join LJA. What was it? Was it maybe given being given you know a certain amount of responsibility that you didn't think you would get early on, or what was it about LJA that kind of help you to realize that I actually made, I hit the employment lottery and made a good decision. You know, it kind of went in stages. I think early on, you know, just the benefits that are here. I mean, some of the financial rewards and things like that, you kind of learn those pretty quickly. And so I felt pretty fortunate from there, especially when I talked to family and things that, you know, didn't quite get the same type of benefits. Yeah, You realize, okay, this is a really good thing, but, you know, kind of progressing, you know, the first few years, you know, we kind of staged out when we, when we started out, when I first started here, it was just kind of focusing a lot on local agencies and we weren't really right into the tech dot work just yet. Yeah. And it was 
Well, you got to crawl before you can walk. Yeah, you got you to crawl. And eventually we got into the textile field. And at some point, it was probably about 10 years ago, it just exploded for us. And that's, you know, there were so many opportunities for myself, for others to really grow in this profession. And so that's, I think, really, really where I knew, man, I, I really kind of hit it because, yeah. uh, you know, we're, we're really starting to do something here. Okay. All right. And so it kind of took on a life of its own from there. Mm-hmm. So tell me about your transportation department. How big are you guys? And is there an area that you specifically focus on or are you kind of overseeing some of the younger folks as they are getting acclimated into the whole transportation process from an engineering perspective? So we're about a hundred people or so in transportation right now, kind of going back. It's kind of funny because I was, I think about seven or so when I started. So that just shows the growth (laughs) we've had over that time. So I, you know, I guess they're, you know, what I focus on primarily is TxDOT. So we have some folks that focus more on the local side, but we mix and match a little bit, but I'm more on the roadway design side. So I focus more on on roadway design, but kind of just really that kind of encompasses project management as well with TxDOT. So I work closely with TxDOT client relationships and on specific projects. So really get to oversee more of the project level. I mean, we've, I've got folks that are assigned to me as well, but we just focus on executing our projects, utilizing the staff that we have, whether they're, you know, specifically assigned to me or, or others, we just try to work together to, to do that. So, so my kind of area of expertise is, is more kind of schematic and PSNE based. So it's preliminary engineering all the way through kind of final design and into construction. So um, that's really where I focus my time and effort. And, you know, when you think of like all the work that you guys have done with TxDOT and all, what has been the general sentiment about LJA outside of the firm? You know, like I'm sure you've heard from folks at TxDOT where they've made comments or you, you've gotten feedback. What has the feedback been like about LJA? Well, here's an example. I did, I had won a contract with TxDOT about five years ago. And one of my first assignments was with the Bryan district. So out towards uh, Bryan College Station. Mm-hmm. And so I had met with them kind of in a kickoff meeting on a project. And as we're as we're leaving and they're like, well, we're expecting good things. We've heard a lot of really good things about LJA. So we spend a lot on our reputation as far as, you know, not really trying to promote ourselves. We try to do that just through doing good work. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, even as big as Texas is, word travels pretty fast. And so we've gotten a lot of that feedback kind of throughout. And so we kind of just pride ourselves on getting repeat work. That's, that's something we always want to focus on. It's important to us. And so it's just important for us to do a good job. So that's what we always try to focus on. And then we utilize that to catapult us into to new, uh, say, new districts within TxDOT or new fields. Yeah. And are you, how do you communicate that to the younger folks that are here just joining, right? Maybe I'm right out of school at A&M and I come and work here and I'm going to join the, the transportation group. How do you communicate that aspect of the reputation that LJA has out in the community, especially for the markets that you serve? You know, a lot of times when I'll, I'll meet with a new graduate, when we interview, I, I think one thing that helps to speak to that is the volume of work that we have and the variety of work that we have and what we've been awarded. Because I know when a lot of times when you speak to other firms, they just don't have that. And so when I can sit there and show them plans and go through projects that we have been working on and that they could be involved in, that right there kind of shows them kind of, hey, here's, I'm really, you know, getting this into something real. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different opportunities here. And then, you know, I've heard feedback from some as well. I mean, I think our reputation is starting to grow within the classroom. You know, at Texas A&M in particular, you know, we're a lot of folks, you know, there's a little bit of a buzz towards LJA. So it's starting to become a place that people want to go. That's cool. Now, have you ever gone back to the University of Maine to recruit anybody? I have not. I, I'm <laughs> still waiting. I need to try that out here. Soon. Yeah, you never know. I mean, somebody <laughs> may not want to endure the winters of Maine because the winters of Maine are, are 
are well documented. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's suffice to say that uh, it's much warmer here in December, January and February than it is in Maine. Yeah, I've got to do some work. (laughs) We, uh, you know, we're definitely doing more remote working now. You never know. Maybe it's a possibility, but it's something we've kind of joked about before, too. I need to get up there and and try to recruit. See what's going on. So now have you had the opportunity to do any transportation work outside of the state of Texas? Mostly it's been in Texas. I've done a little bit in Oklahoma. We were looking at some kind of, I guess we'll call them, there were more way stations and ports of entry, kind of looking at some of their plans along the freeway and then kind of dabbled in a little bit with some of our site folks kind of out in some of the, the Saudi Arabia and things like that. So but it's it's primarily been here in Texas. Oh, so. that's nice. That's nice. So how bullish are you on the future of LJA specifically as it pertains to transportation and where do you, where do you see the next big thing happening for you guys specifically in your department? I think there's just so much room for growth. I mean, you've got Texas itself, there's certain areas that, I, that we're starting to get into. There's more some of the GEC work, some of the big general engineering contracts and things with TxDOT that start to utilize a high number of folks to to work on those projects. I think from here, I mean, it's also starting to look at where do we go out of state, you know, and start to expand that way. I mean, LJ has a grow or die mentality. So it's something I think we're going to keep focusing on and just looking, continue to expand. I mean, we want to do as much organically as we can, but just continue to expand. I think that's, you know, that's going to be company-wide, but, you know, we think transportation could be a driver to that because that's going to lead to more land development work or vice versa. It just depends on, you know, which area we get into, how we, how we kind of get into each one. So I think we can kind of use those to, to build off of each other. Yeah. And, you know, I'm wondering, I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are about unassisted driving vehicles and what the future really looks like from a pragmatic standpoint when it comes to the roads. I know sometimes I, I know that some roads are better than others for that actual practice, but they're saying in the next 10 years, we're going to see, you know, unassisted driving trucks. I mean, we're seeing them now and the same thing for for cars, but, you know, from a transportation standpoint, logistically, what are some of the challenges that you face in having to design with that future in mind? Yeah, we haven't we haven't really gotten into that too much just yet. We've started to been to some seminars that have talked on that a little bit. And we did have an interview that for a textile project that we won that kind of touched on that as well. And so, you know, right now, I mean, TxDOT, their number one focus is safety. Mm-hmm. And so it's trying to make sure that they provide a facility that's wide enough. It's got wide lanes, wide shoulders, and just being able to have the technology, you know, maybe it's at some point being able to put conduits in the ground and be able to run you know, some type of a wiring to help kind of assist with some of that. So there's a lot of different things that are looked at, but they're not really spending the capital in it just yet. But it is something that, yeah, I've, I've kind of heard through some of these seminars that you're looking at, you know, maybe by 2040 or 50, you know, which is a lot of the times we project out for some of these traffic models, you know, it could be all autonomous vehicles. And that that would be a huge game changer because you may not quite have the same number of vehicles on the road. For instance, you know, if, if you have a, a household of, of three or four, and you have two or three vehicles, you may be down to one because that vehicle can drive everybody where they need to go, you know, all kind of almost, they can go from one spot to the next to the next. And so it's just a whole different mentality. I have some suspicions or not sure how it's going to work politically, but mm-hmm. but it is going to be, there are going to be some challenges that we face getting in that way, but it's going to be pretty interesting. Oh yeah, I definitely think so. I definitely think so. What are you guys working on right now that in your mind is kind of cutting edge from a transportation perspective? It's, 
I don't know if we, from technology standpoint, if it's really cutting edge, but we're really getting into a lot more 3D animation, a lot more 3D type environment. There's a lot of a lot of different things you can do just through conflict analysis. I mean, you know, when you take for granted what a roadway holds, you know, you, you may have underground storm sewer for drainage. You may have utilities all over the place that you're not seeing, you know, up above. I mean, we drive these roads every day and take everything for granted. You've got foundations from bridges and things like that. So we're really trying to u- utilize things like LIDAR. We've used ground penetrating radar in, in the past to try to identify certain things underground and trying to put all this together in a model that we can better identify conflicts and minimize change orders in the field. We also utilize that. It can be like a really good visual as well. So if you're communicating with the public, we do a lot of public meetings and things like that. We utilize that to to illustrate really what the final product's going to look like. I've even used it, you know, during construction. Everybody hates, you know, dealing with construction, but sometimes we've shown some of the complicated phasing to the public also so they have a better understanding what they're going to see when yeah. they get there. So what would you say, you know, especially in your dealings with the public, what would you say that you learned here at LJA that really prepared you to go out and deal with community stakeholders, community leaders, maybe even some politicians, right, that play into the funding that's required to do the work that you end up designing. Sure. Yeah, I think for me, you know, you kind of start by being more engaged in leading meetings. That kind of gets you more towards a, I don't know that you have to have a, a really strong public speaking background. I guess that just grows with you. I mean, as you're starting to conduct meetings and sometimes you're starting to conduct meetings in front of clients as well, you start to kind of gravitate towards doing the same thing in front of maybe stakeholders. So mm-hmm. you're talking maybe a group of 10 people and you're starting to present you know, maybe a pre- you know you're giving a presentation, or it's just a one-on-one conversation like we're doing right here. Maybe you're having a a conversation with a property owner, or it could be a, a local official that you're just kind of working with. Sometimes it's you know city public works department. So yeah, I think just getting the opportunity to to grow myself and starting to you know run meetings, and that's kind of the baby step in starting to grow from a public speaking background. I think that's worked well for me, and I think if we get the opportunity, I think I know LJ is starting to look more at training. If we get the opportunity to start, you know, instituting more public speaking opportunities for folks, that'll just help them grow there as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and I mean, like I tell people, you just got to put the reps in. I was talking to Callie in the marketing department yesterday and, you know, we, she was asking some questions about the whole interview process and podcasting. And I'm like, listen, I didn't start off like this. This took time yeah. and effort and a lot of reps to get where I'm going and, and to be where I am right now. And I think a lot of the young design professionals, especially those that are here at LJA, need, need to hear that, that A, you need to get uncomfortable, first of all, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to public speaking. And if you've been in any of the trainings that I've done in the past here, that's one of the things that we talked about is communication is everything. And when you can communicate effectively, it opens up a lot of doors that a lot of design professionals can't go through because they're not good at communicating. And the one thing that I have seen over time is that interacting with a lot of your peers here at LJA is that you guys are pretty good communicators. Yeah, I think so. And, and surprisingly, dealing with the public sometimes can be the, one of the more rewarding parts of the job. If you do actually go through and present or explain something and help you know citizens out, you kind of leave there at least feeling like you've accomplished something. I mean, a goal is to try to have you know your project be acceptable to the public because if they're unhappy about it, there's possibilities of the project being squashed. And so I think being able to communicate that that information is really important. It's not just verbal, it's also graphically. I mean, you've got, you know, if you're giving a presentation, you've got to make sure that it's real clear as well. So I think being able to focus on just being organized in your communication style 
And sometimes with folks, you've got to simplify it a little bit so that they get a better understanding of it. Yeah. And I think that is that just comes over time. Right. Again, you just have to put the reps in. So I think that's important. All right. Well, I mean, obviously you've you've gotten your parents to move here. All your family, the rest of your family mm-hmm. for the most part is here in Houston. What's next for Chris Mundy here in uh, in the Houston area when it comes to LJA? Just want to continue to grow with the company. I mean, that's what I was here to, you know, came here to begin with. And it's been really awesome to to watch it kind of blossom. I'm just really curious to see what the next 17 years are like. I want to, I'm happy to be a little bit more part of the the leadership group and be able to help start steering that a little bit more and watch it grow for, you know, the new generations that are here at LJ as well. So definitely something I'm looking forward to. I'm still, I don't plan on getting out of Houston anytime soon. So I'll be here and I'm excited to be here. Okay. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Chris. I really do appreciate that. Before we close out, I'm going to ask you just a couple of other things. Do you like reading? Yeah. Do you have a, a good book that you recommend that has really helped you? I always kind of get more into the the fiction. So, but I think any book you can get sometimes it just take you away. Yeah. I don't know if I have one that I, I recommend specifically, but it would be just anything that can get you away and kind of get you out of reality sometimes I think mm-hmm. helps just to, uh, just to help clear your mind. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, some experts have said it's better. Like a lot of people read, you know, have a book on their nightstand and they read at night before they go to bed. It's actually better to read fiction before you go to bed than nonfiction. So if you're like reading like real stuff, things that have happened uh, or historical events, that's a little bit more of a challenge than if you're just reading some kind of fantasy novel or, or, or some science fiction or something like that, because it just allows you to sleep better, actually, believe it or not. There've been studies to show, I mean, they've studied this. And people that read fiction before they go to bed sleep better than people that read nonfiction. I think it takes takes your mind off of things. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. So I love that. So, and um, do you have a favorite quote? Uh, I know "grow or die" is uh, is is uh, one of Calvin's favorite quotes. But oh, and you know, I actually I didn't. You know, I do want to bring up Calvin because you know we've talked about him with a lot of other people. What did Calvin mean to you? You know, I it was pretty tough to see his passing. He just represented a lot of strength to me. And I think, you know, I, I never had a extremely strong or close personal relationship with him. I, it, but I, I think just knowing what he did with this company and starting this firm and just the the route he's taken us and he's really set the culture for us. I mean, you, you were asking about kind of a quote and I was going to point to a Calvinism and, and it was going to be more related towards employees and clients because I think that's really the the culture of this company. And it all happened too. We're now in the new office and he really never got a chance to work here. And sure. uh, something that he's probably been really striving towards, you know, throughout his his career. And so he just represented a lot of strength and just meant a lot, I know, to LJ overall. So it was definitely hard, you know, having that happen. I hate to see that happen. But typical LJ fashion, we always come out stronger in the end. So Absolutely. I think we'll continue to do that. And a lot of that was because of Calvin. Yeah, that's Absolutely. what he would want. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, you you are certainly representing Chris Mundy. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to sit down with us on the LJ podcast and kind of share your experience, your legacy of being here for 17 plus years. Man, I hope you have 17 more great years here or more, whatever you want. But, Absolutely. Uh, but uh, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today to be with us on the LJ podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of the LJA podcast. We really appreciate you tuning in on a regular basis. We hope these podcasts engage, inspire, motivate you to continue to be the best version of yourself while you grow here at LJA. 
And if you're listening to this from the outside and you're wondering how come you're not working here, well, you need to dust off your resume or CV and get it over to the folks in HR at LJA if you think you have something to offer this company. Because I got to tell you, folks, I'm an outsider looking in. I've worked with this company for many years. This is a great place to be. So just like all the great stories and anecdotes that Chris has shared, there's so much more to be discovered here at LJA. So I really want to encourage you to check them out. If you're not not part of the family, if you're already part of the family, well, you already know. So I don't have to bring sand to the beach. Anyway, that's all I have for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this podcast. Check us out. Please listen to every episode because there'll be something new to take away from each one of them. So just like what Chris shared with us today, there's somebody else that's one of your peers that is sharing some great information that I think will help you as you continue to grow in your career here at LJA. So that's all I have. I'm Randy Wilburn, and I will see you guys soon. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the LJA podcast. Whether you are doing your due diligence to hire a design firm or you are trying to learn more about the company, this podcast is one of the best places to start. For more information about LJA, please visit our website at lja.com to learn more. At LJA, we mean it when we say, we build civilization. We build civilization.